Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Now, before we get down to our episode today, which is Phil the Shill, guest starring Phil Collins, I just want to quickly thank you as a little programming note. Uh, thank you for your patience. I know that my releases have not been consistent as much as I would like them to be. Um, I have been doing a lot of traveling, which is super fun for work, which is super great, great for my career. Uh, however, I am not the smartest. Anyone who works shift work or also is in the hospitality industry will understand this. I don't like to give up shifts, so I tend to work the night before I travel, close the bar, go to the airport, fly out first thing in the morning which means you're usually waiting around like one or two hours or you come home and you kind of try to take like a weird little nap that's not really a nap because you're too scared to actually fall into like a deep sleep in case you miss your alarm. So I've done that twice in the past three weeks where I have stayed up for I believe I did the math as a long time. <laughs> I want to say around like 36 hours straight, a little bit longer than that, and then kind of like never got right back into the schedule of sleeping properly with the time changes and all that. So just my body was really run down and my mind was really kind of foggy and run down as well. So hopefully that's all in the past. I just went to Joshua Tree for a few days. So I'm feeling very relaxed, a little bit burnt from all the fire, a little bit smoked out from all the fire to stay warm, but feeling a lot better, a lot more refreshed, and hopefully coming back to the podcast, add a little bit more energy and pizzazz, kind of make this as special as I want it to be. I know sometimes I'm a little bit low energy on my episodes, and especially since I do host alone, you need to have a lot more energy to kind of keep the momentum going. So that is something I'm definitely working on. Speaking of that, Let's get right into it. This week's episode, season two, episode 12, Phil the Shill. Now, first off, who's Phil? Why, none other than fabulous guest star, Phil Collins. We have a few more guest stars that we'll talk about later on this episode, but the IMD synopsis is as follows. A British television personality who has dealings with a major cocaine dealer is targeted by Crockett in tubs. Now, I personally think that British television personality is a little bit of a stretch because when we open up in the episode, we have this kind of cheesy, very 80s, small studio set for this game called Rat Race with none other than Zwytek and Emo Phillips as the two main contestants. And of course, Zito is cheering him on in the audience. Now, let's cut to Crockett and Tubbs. Because Zito and Switek, quote unquote, called in sick, Crockett and Tubbs are on a weird assignment where basically they're trying to get a bug into this guy's car. Now, first before we get to what happens, <laughs> guess what's making a reappearance? This is rocking reggae radio vice. Calling all the brothers and sisters, can you receive me now? The completely preposterous Jamaican accent that Tubbs puts on. So as they make sure that their surveillance is working, Crockett picks a fight with the guy that they're looking to do surveillance on. Basically, Crockett kind of says like, hey, buddy, what are you doing about to scratch my car? Learning that it has several coats of paint to get it that exquisite Ferrari color. They have a hilarious fight that does not work in Crockett's favor. There is a gif I made that you can see on the gallery of Crockett getting picked up by this guy and getting thrown into the backseat of his Ferrari after Tubbs has successfully placed the bug. Crockett kind of brushes it off, you know, apologizes diffuses the fight and they go on inside to the bar which is called Big Splash and again I took a picture of the outside facade because I really like the font that they used then when they're inside Crockett's icing his face Tubbs is curiously roasting what appears to be a little I think it's a little peanut like a bar peanut on the candle the flame I took a gif of it you can see that on the gallery as well just kind of like a little funny piece that I wanted to add into that. I really like that. It's like a little, little extra flavor for his character. And guess who they see on TV? For some reason, this bar is playing this like second rate cable access competition trivia show called Rat Race. Out of all the places, this beautiful bar in Miami is showing it. And uh, Zito and Zwytek's sick day. <laughs> 
gets busted real quick. Now, I'm going to play you the song that plays on this show, Rat Race. Phil Collins, I guess, you know, you had to make this song to thematically fit for this television show. But it just doesn't hit with me. There's so many good Phil Collins songs out there that I'm not trying to compare this, obviously, to like the Tarzan soundtrack or Easy Lover or Susudio. But this is what it sounds like. Now, not to veer too off topic, but did you ever play that game as children? I believe it was a board game called Rat Race, right? And you could escond this cheese. Like, you could either hit something that basically kind of like a plastic cap fell over the cheese. And yeah, so I, I remember that as a kid. I don't know if that was just a Canadian thing, but I remember it was like all over all the commercials. So this game on Miami Vice kind of seems like it was the predecessor because they do have to kind of move through holes of cheese. And then this is some shadiness that I actually very much sympathize with Zwitek because we see him, I made a gif of it, him hit the buzzer, but his podium does not light up. Emo Phillips hits his buzzer after, but his podium lights up. Therefore, Phil, the shill, wink, wink, gives him the opportunity to answer this question. Now, in the previous clip, I didn't make a clip of it, he gets asked a question about Graceland and like how many bathrooms were in Graceland. And then he doesn't even know that Graceland is the home of Elvis. He thinks it's the country. So keep that in mind when Zwitek already pissed off because his buzzer didn't go off despite hitting it first. And this recently happened to me multiple times. (laughs) It is extremely frustrating when you hit first, when you do exactly what you're told and someone is just not looking or someone doesn't care or what have you. So I was very triggered by this episode for this this part. And even more so when Zwitek is completely frustrated in this next scene as I play this clip. Well, Joe, for 100,000 smackaroonies now, I want to know when and where Elvis Presley last fired a gun into a TV set and whose image was the intended target. Five seconds, or we throw it to Stan. 1974, penthouse suite, Ramada in Asheville, North Carolina, and he shot at Robert Goulet. That sounds a little bit fishy to you, right? Because as we heard in the previous question, he didn't even know that Graceland was a place. He thought it was a country. And then all of a sudden, he's able to recall all the details of Elvis's infamous shooting of the television set. So this sounds a little bit sketchy. Zwitek goes over to Phil, basically says, hey, you know, I met the requirements to come back next week. I'm really excited, blah, blah, blah. That's when Phil kind of pushes back, tells him he's SOL and that the show has been canceled. Zwitek naturally is really pissed hearing this news, as he should be. But again, Phil kind of says like, hey, what are you going to do? We learn later that it's a it's a con, which is a surprise to nobody, that Emo Phillips was basically the plant and that in by winning the money, Phil had promised him a cut of the money and is able to then squirrel out that money, the 20000 he was supposed to pay to Emo Phillips with the rest of the 80000 of the $100,000 prize money and keep that all for himself. Now, one thing... I want to remind you is that con man actually stands for confidence man that these con men the whole point is that they're charming and they disarm you and that they're able to get away with it because you believe their story or they're able to charm the pants off of whoever's digging into things and unfortunately i learned this lesson a little bit later on in life luckily i didn't get con too much but i have been in situations with People with very interesting backstories who claim to have all this money, but they can't access it. But then they're telling you, you know, that they grew up with all this fabulous wealth and lavish lifestyle. But then certain things don't add up when you ask them about how they grew up or certain things that you would expect someone in the upper echelons of society to have experienced. And all these kind of weird stories. It's always people that claim that they have money, like Anna Delvey, like we just went through this. Or 
I remember the Dirty John podcast kind of woke me up to that too, that these con men do have a charm to them. They're called confidence men for a reason. They're supposed to take your money with a smile. And then there was another really dirty con man who faked having cancer and was on the Real Housewives of Orange County named Brooks. And that was so cringy to watch this this smart and successful woman be conned. And it kind of is an eye-opener to everybody that no matter how smart you are, you can still be taken advantage of. And it's something to just watch out for. And if someone sounds too good to be true, they probably are. If someone's story sounds too good to be true, they probably are. And if someone is upper crust society wealthy, they can usually access their money. So don't fall for it. If you ever lend money to somebody, never expect to get it back. It is a gift, plain and simple. Say, there we go. Life advice. There we go. End of the podcast. Good night, guys. No, no, no. Let's get back to the episode. We bugged the guy in the car. And I say me, I mean Tubbs. We see the Mercedes pull up and we see two men swinging back and forth like they had just bungee jumped from Six Flags or Canada's Wonderland or what have you, going back and forth, back and forth. Nobody's happy. Let's play this next clip. Two times we waited for that plane. Two times we had a shipment goes to somebody else. I got myself a new source. So I extended that clip a little bit just so I can include the score for y'all because I really enjoy it. So surprise, surprise to nobody, these guys get shot. Next day, Crockett and the rest of Metro Dade are on the scene kind of surveying things. They get a tip that the black Mercedes that they had bugged was spotted within the area. Hopefully they can use that to get a warrant. And then we head back to the precinct. Now we got a few different funny stories going on. Zwitek and Zito are practicing what they're going to say to Castillo and, you know, wanting to make sure that they don't get in trouble. Surprise, surprise, because he already knows that they skipped work. So they get put on graveyard shift, taking over for Gina and Trudy, and they get docked a day's pay. Then we have Crockett and Tubbs talking to Castillo with Crockett in the lovely loose knit pink undershirt that I love so much. I'm trying to remember what episode it was from. It was from a couple of episodes again ago, and I'm really enjoying that it's continuing its life in season two. But let's get to the real things. What are they talking about? They're talking about how this deal operates. Now, I completely forgot to say, in the scene where we saw the two guys who were swinging from overhead get shot, who else steps out of the car but none other than other guest star, Kira Sedgwick. She has a bigger role to play in this than she seems in this next clip. He's starting to move kilos to semi-pro part-time dealers. Doctors, stockbrokers, respectable, uh, regular guy types. His girlfriend acts as a broker. Maybe Rivers is just giving her something to play with, but she makes the connections. He's the one that supervises delivery. We caught a couple of names. Nothing solid. He's going to be looking for a new supplier now that he's retiring those guys at the warehouse. we got to find a way to get close to this guy. All right, now let's get to the fun stuff. So we get, which is very rare because usually a shopping spree montage has a female protagonist. Now we get a male protagonist going out and about in Miami, shopping for fabulous things, car phone service, picking out a new car phone. As he's decked out in purple and gold, two of the most regal colors you could think of. Purple is the color of royalty. What I also love is this is what one of my guy friends pointed out, that Phil Collins, not known as a conventionally attractive man, however, all of his album covers are just close-ups of his face, and he's rocking a little bit of a receding hairline, a little bit combed down in the front, and he looks amazing because he just has so much confidence. He's looking at telescopes. He's buying more shiny ties and more shiny undershirts. He has a Lamborghini and shopping attendants are filling it up with bags as he drives off to a jewelry store. Now, my favorite part of the scene is that a woman asks him, 
if she can help him, completely ignores her, goes other to a blonde woman who looks so familiar. I reversed Google image searched her and try to find her on IMDb, try to find her on Wikipedia, try to find her on the Miami Vice Wiki. I cannot find out who the blonde jewelry store attendant is. And it's driving me nuts because I really like her look. She has such a pretty face with like a diamond shaped, like the diamond shaped jawline. Very pretty and like big kind of, not super weird and crunchy voluminous hair, but like just like a very pretty elegant haircut and driving me nuts. But basically he goes to her specifically to buy jewelry. And in the corner, we see Kara Cedric looking beautiful with like her great, perfect figure in like a cerulean blue dress looking at this multi-strand pearl necklace. So ha 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 ha, jokes aside. So basically he, you know, he's very pushy and like Declasse asking like, what's real? How much this costs? You know, a little bit off-putting, a little bit new money, if you will. Uh, these real? <laughs> real expensive. Yeah, well, I got the reddies, if that's what you're worried about. Let's have a look at some of this stuff. Nice. I want to see that one and that one there. And I'm going to play a clip of the song that's playing in the background because it is completely appropriate and like super fun for an 80s male shopping montage. Right? Like, does that put up and put in your pocket or somebody else will? Like, very much exemplifies, like, the me decade. Like, looking... That's what you kind of got to do. So, I get it. Now, as him and Kara Cedric are making small talk, a little bit flirty. Not too flirty, though. Just, like, a little bit flirty. And he ends up buying her the necklace. And is able to kind of invite her over to his place as she agrees to dinner. Now... This episode is so 80s, it kills me. Case in point. Sarah, you were looking at a man with a very nasty habit. Phil, this is the 80s. Everyone takes drugs. <laughs> oh my God. Actually, it's very funny. I have a note in my iPhone that is breaking down the price of cocaine, which we'll get to later on in the episode, but I am so proud of it. And also, if someone found that on my phone knowing that like I've been sober and like the last time I did cocaine the one only time I was in grade 12 it's just even funnier and as we get to look at Phil's new place again bought with the $100,000 in conned game show winnings it is gorgeous it's huge you can walk down to the beach this gorgeous oceanfront view nothing's in it of course he's just moved in so we hear a knock at the door a very familiar character. Now, keep in mind that Zito and Switek and Crockett and Tubbs are doing surveillance. Crockett and Tubbs are in the Scarab. Isidro Moreno, designer of the interior. Sorry, I only got the one. Oh my god, I love Izzy for this kind of comic relief. And then obviously Phil kind of like pushes back. It's, it's, they get into like a little bit of a heated argument. Phil basically holds him up by his shirt. Then Izzy kind of mentions like, hey, you know, you want those connections. I have the connection I'm willing to share with you. Then obviously Phil kind of eases up a little. Izzy leaves, walks back, and Crockett and Tubbs come out to meet him halfway because they're very curious as to what he's doing there. Again, they spend about a year and a half, you know, trying to get this guy who's dating Sarah who is now friends with Phil so they're getting closer and closer and closer so they're very protective of their case and seeing Izzy kind of you know throwing them for a whole loop they're not too pleased with so basically they're hashing it out in the back of this surveillance van and it's when Zwitek admits that he actually put Izzy on the case because he really wants to nap Phil for basically cheating him out of the money that he would have won had the game show been legit so again Crocodile's not happy about this at all. Basically telling Zito and Zwitek, Zwitek specifically, that, you know, just deal with it. You know, you lost. You got conned. That's the way it goes. But then Izzy, why do we underestimate him? Because he has a genius idea. This guy's got a lot on a cabeza, man, but he's from England. He's going to spend all his time in a swimming pool. We put the surveillance in the pool. We're going to need an underwater camera. Shut up! You two, 
Keep Fellini in line until we can run Phil through the computer, okay? But, right, like, you're coming from a place not known for its tropical weather. Of course an Englishman's going to be in the pool all day, just like, of course, a Canadian's going to be in the pool all day or sunbathing all day. So, like, that's actually really smart of Izzy, and I'll definitely give him credit for that. And then, speaking of Phil, not only are we just making fun of him for his (laughs) lack of suntan, but Gina... Looking amazing as she's receiving this fax, by the way. And then I also want to point out there's a poster that says Miami. It's magic in the background. But as she's looking impeccable in this, it's like a white collared vest. And she's giving Crockett and Tubbs a little bit of intel and to the background of who Phil the Shill really is. Born in Whitechapel, London. That's the home of Jack the Ripper. Ran games at a fair as a kid, graduated to a shill at a pony tracks, then ran an open party out of an apartment in Chelsea. This is starting to track. He eventually took some young rich types for about 30,000 pounds on a phony record label deal, one of whom was with the Soho mob. So he split for warmer climates and stepped ahead in the knee breakers. No connection to drugs and no connection to violence. So now that we have a little bit more background, basically he's been a con man his entire life and just brought his act over to America. Let's talk about the decorations of this apartment. So we got a new sound system in the back that Manny, remember that's Izzy's sidekick, is dusting in the background as he has headphones on. The star of this episode, no, you know what? Let me save it for the end as we do the countdown. Just the entire decor in this apartment is wild. You got like hubcaps on the ceiling and this weird marlin looking sculpture these weird chairs and couches it's this episode is so 80s and i love it so 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 much it really makes me wish that i was born like 20 years before i was so now that his apartment's a little bit more decorated they start talking about the party and the guest list sarah comes by as Manny, you know, helps serve them dinner, get them all cozy. He starts to talk about his background. Now, keep in mind what we heard from Gina, and then also keep his accent in mind as he's telling this story. Well, after I graduated from Cambridge, I said to myself, I'm not going to live off my mummy and daddy's money. So I uh, thought I'd try and find my forte in life. Uh Well, maybe your forte is just having a good time. I guess your forte is just having a good time, and I'm surprised that's not, like, more girls with, like, three cities in their bio that that's not their Instagram motto, (laughs) right? Or their Instagram bio. It's just funny because, like, that accent is not a posh British accent in the slightest. Like, it's very working class. So it's just very funny. I think, obviously, Phil Collins, like, kind of putting that on a little bit for the character. But just, again, like, as an American, she'd just be ignorant of how accents are representative of certain classes in England. So let's digress for a bit. Let's just have fun with this episode. I'm not trying to get into the whole class system that has permeated, you know, English culture for generations. Let's check in on Crockett and Tubbs and how their surveillance is going. So they're following the guy. I believe his name is Rivers, the one that they put the bug in. And he says he's getting a deep cleaning on his car. And it's as that he finds the bug, breaks it. They can't hear anything. They can only hear kind of like the static in the background. Then they go meet up with a guy. There's two jets. How many? Two jets and a helicopter. Basically, they think that the guy's doing them dirty. And despite his pleas, ends up getting shot. So we can see that there's definitely like a lot of discord within their organization. There's a lot of mistrust there as well. And now, uh, if you're a listener, you know that I'm not the most organized person when it comes to my notes that I tend to not be able to read what I've written. But I clearly see here, after talking about they shot the guy in the helicopter, the flamingo mugs, exclamation point, exclamation point, how cute. But I cannot find the reference in the gallery. So you might hear me kind of like come back or mention it on later in the episode because I really want to find out. So Gina and Trudy are going undercover as servers are kind of like uh, caterers to set up for this party. And they go in to Rivers' boat and plant a bug, bug, well, bug, a bug as well. Now, Gina 
and Trudy look amazing. Trudy obviously stealing the show because of her cute earrings with like bananas, pineapples on it, like super, super, super adorable. So they're able to get another bug on this. Yeah, which will definitely come in handy later on. Now, Rivers looks amazing because he's in like kind of like not silk pajamas, but like kind of like a silk outfit and he asks Sarah like you know does do you want backup or anything do you want any help and she's like no 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 I got it so she goes solo to the party he stays in and that's when Judy and Judy oh my god I cannot speak today Gina and Trudy bug his yacht the party scene definitely worth another watch I could maybe watch this party scene like four or five times I made so many pictures and gifts from this scene Izzy's coral leisure suit with the frilled undershirt like very 70s very out of date the guy with three watches on the beautiful woman in the strapless zebra bathing suit with like perfectly blow-dried side banged hair phil just loving life at this point just everyone at the party just looking wild and amazing sarah in her silver jumpsuit the dance scene where you can see that giant marlin the hubcaps in the background and there's a woman wearing it looks to be like a rose gold halter top with a white skirt and white boots and she looks amazing like i would wear this outfit today and oh what amazing party scene this is the chef's kiss and it gets even better i'm just talking about the outfits let's talk about what actually happens at the party oh yeah there's a guy in a long sleeve shirt at the pool oh my god i can't even please go rewatch the scene one of the best party scenes in miami vice and it's very frilly and fun it's not as dark as some of the others especially you know when we get to like rites of passage where you know girls like kind of talk about like sex trafficking and what that no this is just fun under the sun obviously we're getting into a little bit of drugs but the drug conversation is hilarious okay let me just skip to that now so basically sarah again she's known to make deals so what they basically say what rivers basically says that she just sells ounces not kilos just ounces small respectable amounts to respectable people however this friend comes over and you know she kind of they make the cocaine reference that they both kind of like tap their nose it is so bait and it's like this older woman and she asked for it like basically like I'm a little hungry, like she wants to, you know, add a little bit of weight as in the ounces. I like just got to play the clip for you guys because it just sounds so after school special, like so narky and unnatural. Listen. And there's some doctor friends of mine here too who are interested. All right. Um, it's 2200. Okay, put me down for six OZs, but my friends might want to get a little fatter. <laughs> Maybe a whole key. Okay. We're going to break this down. I have a new segment called. Drug pricing in the 80s, apparently. So 2200 for one ounce, and she's going to get six ounces. A kilo is 35 ounces, just so you know kind of like what weight is. And then eight ball is three ounces. So we'll get to that all at the end. I have a very fun segment I'm ready to tell you guys. But like, right, that just sounds so unnatural. I don't know. Is that how you buy drugs? I... <laughs> I was like, I could have asked a lot more people for opinions on this episode. So I would have gotten some, you know, real answers. And so after this conversation, <laughs> I can't even, I'm so excited to break down the pricing with you guys. Crockett and Tubbs are over here and they walk with her to make a deal, ask, you know, about the pricing of a key. And they're basically talking to her and trying to make a deal by meeting this source directly. And that's not what Sarah's for. But again, they know that she's the broker. They want to be able to catch rivers or red-handed. So, but again, you know, like she's not supposed to make these deals, but to feel the pressure of how much they want to push and how much money she can make into it, it sounds pretty cool. Now, <laughs> I just got to play this for you guys. Okay, so we locked in a 35 for the key. That's uh, 87.50 person. That's a lot of money. A lot of blow. Well, big boys and girls, we can handle it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> keys, kilos, keys. You buy kilos of this stuff for $35,000? Sure, that's practically a bargain. A bargain? Why didn't you talk to your Uncle Phil first, huh? Wow, the dialogue is so wilted, like stilted and weird. 
Ah, it's so narky. It's like, hello, how do you do, fellow kids? I would like to purchase some drugs. <laughs> and, like, they look all, like, really handsome put together. And, like, I know that is not uncommon. Like, a lot of high-powered people, very, very professional, stressful jobs do cocaine. I'm not doubting that. But, like, the way they talk about it is so weird and stilted. And so naturally, Uncle Phil, the biggest, oh my God, Uncle Phil. That's so funny. He does call himself Uncle Phil. So I kind of picked up on that. But obviously I'm thinking of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Uncle Phil. So he offers them kind of a way to save a little bit of money and then not go through Sarah. So in the end, using Sarah for her connections and then being Phil, using him for himself. And I don't really blame him. There's no one in this story that you're really rooting for, you know? But... Obviously, Wynne gets back to Sarah when her friend goes to tell her, like, that she's talked to Phil and that they have this deal worked out. Sarah, obviously a little bit uncomfortable, and she gets that news while she's talking to Crockett and Tubbs, excuses herself, talks to Phil, gets him outside, brings him out of the party to talk. He thinks that he's going to get lucky, and not at all. She gets him into the car starts driving and then brings him to the yacht where surprise surprise her boyfriend is not happy rivers is super pissed that she's trying to push keys when she was just supposed to be a small pusher like i said selling small respectable amounts to respectable people and also i'm gonna maybe run with this theory but i think when he says respectable people people who might not know what the cost of drugs really are because if they're thinking that 35 is good for a key i don't know what a key goes for today i was kind of using math from what i've heard people buying grams and ounces for thirty-five thousand dollars in 1984 is pretty steep and going back to phil gina as she said in his report never really been involved with drugs or anything violent so why would he get himself involved with this now, let's hear from him. I think there's been some kind of misunderstanding there. I mean, I was never going to deal any coke. I mean, it just isn't my line at all. Yeah? Well, what were you going to do with the money when you got it? Hey, dealing with money's never been one of my problems, you know? <laughs> You're a real smart guy. So now Phil is in a pickle. He can't really get himself, he can't really extract himself from this situation. So basically, they want Phil to make the deal or else they're going to kill him. <laughs> So Phil gets back to his house. Only Izzy and the girl that he was talking to are still dancing. It's actually kind of cute. He tells them to get out of there. As Phil is up in his safe, kind of taking out what I'm assuming are fake passports and money and all that stuff, Crock and Tubbs pop in to say hi. Phil, you have won a scholarship, a full scholarship to Rayford. That's a prison we got here, pal. Full ride, probably. It'll never happen. No? No, because you are going to offer me immunity if I help you put Sarah and Rivers in the back. Maybe even burn Tyrell in her mob and all. You've been reading ahead. Yeah, I'd like to do my little bit for law and order. As long as the price is right. Oh, man, again, the accessories in this episode, I made a little category on the gallery, and we'll get to it later as we go over fashion, because they deserve their own award. You have to see this phone that it curves in the middle. Um, so when you talk to it, it's curved, so you can hear, and the microphone's close to your mouth. And then to hang it up, you just press it flat against a surface. So you have to see the gif I made of this phone. I am looking at it right now. I could just watch, watch it on repeat. Then... They come to make the deal. They being the narcs I'm making fun of this entire episode. I do kind of feel bad because you could tell they're like way out of their element. Like these are just people that do cocaine on weekends. These are not like people who are equipped to split a key. Just very funny. And you could tell they look so out of place and so proper and weird and they kind of know that things are a little bit fishy and when they come in they get like a little bit startled seeing Crockett and Tubbs like you know what are they there for and then Phil explains that they're also customers and then things kind of keep getting a little bit more unfortunate for these suckers I'll tell them suckers because that's exactly what they are so he says he has to go pick up the stuff and after getting the money and then they kind of push back like no man you were supposed to have the merchandise that's not how drug deals work like even i knew that in high school like you know you could kind of do like half an hour and then later you can't just do like oh i'm going to give you the money and you're going to give me the drugs no <laughs> oh the wallet inspector is here no it doesn't work that way well surprise surprise so phil crockett and tubbs leave quote unquote to go get more stuff 
I'm going to point out one more time, please go to the gallery. I am shilling for the gallery because it makes me so happy. And I know that I've been like a little bit quiet on social media. You will be seeing everything I'm talking about this episode all over my social media, especially this chair. It is a orange, yellow, and pink rocking chair that is made of gigantic cushions and Crockett is sitting in a cross-legged and then he gets up and the camera just kind of focuses on the chair rocking back and forth as they leave to leave these four professionals weirdest drug deal of all time is the caption that's 100% correct kind of waiting twiddling their thumbs after they just gave them a lot of money (laughs) $25,000 for drugs now where they're making this spot again so phil is going to go meet rivers and zito and switek are zwitek's kind of working as security it's very 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 weird where they're meeting at a carnival but i guess you know everything is shut down the lights are off you can kind of see a few of the lights illuminated but none of them are moving at this point and my personal favorite carny ride is the gravitron that is the one, if I'm remembering that, it looks like the one, it might be called d- different things in different countries. Basically, it's the one where you spin around so fast that you get stuck to the wall and you can turn upside down and you just try not to throw up. That is the most fun one because it just completely messes with your sense of gravity and, you know, like kind of like not your motor movements, but like you just feel like you've just been hit by a truck after you get out and you want to keep doing it again and again and again. I think I've written it. My record was like four times consecutively, and I think you have to take a break, otherwise you're just gonna throw up everywhere. But that is the best. The best carnival rides are the ones that you think, A, you might die, and that you might throw up. The best one is the one that's both, and that's probably the zipper. Um, I don't know, again, what it's called in every country, but it's basically where you sit and they cage you in, they lock the door, and you're sitting strapped in, and they flip you upside down, back and forth, upside down, back and forth, in this metal contraption, you just keep screaming and clanking, it's so fun. And again, you feel like you're gonna die and throw up, and then if you throw up, you're kind of stuck, like there's not a lot of air. Like, you have the grates, obviously, but <laughs> a lot of it's metal, so if you throw up, the whole thing is gonna be covered in puke, and then your partner's gonna throw up, it's gonna be a whole mess. <laughs> Oh, now let's get back to the case. Sorry, I'm going going off topic. As Phil hands the briefcase over to Rivers, and there was a great shot before we get into the briefcase of the Ferrari and the Lamborghini kind of parked, but a little bit facing in opposite directions as they're waiting to make this deal. Sarah, Kara Cedric, looks amazing in this black sequin jumpsuit. She really has great jumpsuit game in this episode. She has like a great figure to pull it all off in, but she's wearing the pearl necklace, the multi-strand necklace that I mentioned earlier that Phil bought her, which is very interesting. So as Phil hands over this briefcase to Rivers, he opens it up. It's kind of rigged, not with a bomb, but with like a little explosive. So it kind of doesn't really blow up, doesn't hurt anybody, but it kind of smokes him out. Enough time for Phil to run different directions, Crockett and Tubbs to run different directions. And obviously a shootout occurs. While weirdly enough, the rides start turning. All the rides are turned on. Things are spinning again. And like the sun hasn't even risen properly. So I guess it's just for cinematic effect, but we see Sarah run off as well. Like she and River split up. And so after this shootout, basically, Phil and Sarah are unaccounted for as Phil literally drives off into the sunrise. And poor Zwitek, man, he just wants what's rightfully his and he wants his revenge. It's not going to happen. I got a bolo in Mayhew's car. We got to cover the airport and the docks. Case is closed. Guy runs away with 75 grand in cash. Yeah, and the owners can't claim it, unless they want to admit they were in on the buy. Tell me he's not gonna walk. He didn't. He drove. Oh, ouch. Poor Zwitek. I am feeling for him so much this episode. Then, as Zito and Zwitek are hanging out, obviously tons of Elvis paraphernalia all throughout the apartment. They're watching TV when they hear a familiar voice on the television. Hey, ma'am. 
You know God is in this place. I want you to come up here and pick up your miracle. My child, you have a deaf ear. You have a deaf ear. I will help it. I will help it through God. I will help it. Devil, 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 get out! Devil, get out! Well, if it isn't Phil, and who's the woman with a deaf ear that he's healing on television? Why, none other than Sarah. Birds of a feather flock together. Now, before we end this episode, we are going to embody the spirit of Elvis as Zwitek angrily looks on, sees what's on television, shoots the TV, just like his hero Elvis, prompting Zito to say, Stan, what are you doing? Oh man, justice for Zwitek. I feel for him this entire episode. Because again, that's the thing with a con man, is you take people's money with a smile and you can keep going and going and going because again, you're not doing anything violent. You're not doing anything that really draws the attention of law enforcement. Obviously, you're stealing, but when you're so hard to track and when you can just keep changing your name, changing your businesses, changing your addresses, it's incredibly hard to charge and prosecute. So my heart breaks for Zvitek this entire episode. So at least he got a little bit of revenge by embodying Elvis. Now let's break down the episode. There are so many amazing outfits this episode. Obviously, I had to go with my best dress for just everything that Phil Mayhew wore. Everything shiny, gaudy, purple, gold, blue, bronze, all the tacky, shiny stuff. The fact that he was wearing a turquoise full outfit, pants and shirt as he's escorting Emo Phillips out of his apartment. Everything, just him coming out of the pool, just wearing that green patterned shirt the low button shirts, the guy with three watches. Then I had, oh, sorry, before I get to the guy with three watches, best accessory. Now I had to exclude the car phones. They were, they were fourth place. This is a three-way tie. First off, the phone and the gif of him hanging up the phone by just laying it flat. Then the guy with three watches on the same wrist and a dangly earring. Now, I really want to get a baby G again because I saw someone wearing, I was like, oh, that's so fun. I have, and they just look so cool, but I have an Apple watch. So do I really need two watches? Maybe. (laughs) I just want it for this style. It looks so cute. Then... Our last three-way accessory winner is, of course, Judy uh, Trudy's earrings with like the cherries, the bananas, all that fun stuff. She looks gorgeous as she's sneaking onto the yacht to plant the bug. Now let's get to other outfits. I really love everything that Crockett and Tubbs wear this entire episode. That whole scene in the beginning where they're bugging the guy's car. Tubbs is wearing a striped gray blazer with a blue undershirt. Crockett is wearing a baby blue blazer then as i mentioned crockett's loose knit pink undershirt the lady in the rat race costume with the piece of cheese on her head the shiny sequin bodysuit and the fake tail everything that sarah wore because kira cedric just has this like gorgeous lithe youthful look to her and she can just pull off anything this entire, maybe just everybody is best dressed. I think Zeno and Switek, their prints are a little bit clashy. There's a picture of them talking to Castillo and you can see Trudy's pants in the background. You just have like three or four clashing prints just kind of coming right at you. So I'll exclude them from the best dress this episode. Now, another very important category, decor. Is it even decor? The true star of this episode is the chair I was mentioning, the orange, yellow, pink. If you don't believe me, please pull over, stop what you're doing right now and go look at a picture of this chair. (laughs) This is how I feel talking about the chair being the true winner of this episode. Sue, a round of applause for this inanimate carbon rod. What an amazing episode for looks, for decor, for cheesiness, for shiny synthetic fabrics for everything. Now let's break down music. 
So as I mentioned, Life Rose Rot Race by Phil Collins. That's actually on the closing credits. Instead, uh, I get it. It has to be in the show, but when you put it up to like Susudio or Take a Look at Me Now or obviously In the Air Tonight or Easy Lover, it's just like meh. You can just tell it was kind of like a quickly written song just to be featured on Miami Vice. But I love Phil Collins. He can do no wrong in my eyes. And I'm still very sad I wasn't able to see him on tour in 2019. And that was the I'm Not Dead Yet tour. And I know his health is really failing right now. So sending all the love to him. If I could ever see him on tour again, that'd be great. But I don't think he's up for it. So that's definitely a loss for me. And another song I really liked, very thematically important, was Pick It Up, Brackets, and Put It In Your Pocket bracket by stan ridgeway and that's the shopping montage song and it's perfect love it love love it then we also have nausea by the executive slacks or just by executive slacks rock by day a roll by night by eugene smith at the party then today i learned something very interesting knock on wood is actually by eric clapton originally i only knew the cover that Amy Stewart released in the 70s so i learned something new today however for this episode for its cheesiness, for its heavy synth, and for its thematic relevance, it's going to be Pick It Up and Put It In Your Pocket by Stan Ridgeway as the winner. And now, like I mentioned, I will read to you the notes from my iPhone. As we were talking about the <laughs> clearly inexperienced suckers buying cocaine, this is what I have written verbatim in my iPhone. I will share this picture with y'all. <laughs> Cocaine, colon, 1985 prices, $35 a key. A key or a kilo is 35 ounces. An ounce is 28 grams. Grams are the little bags in which it's sold in. So I'm not sure how many lines is in a bag. I'm going to assume like three or four. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. I did it once many, 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 many moons ago. So I'm not really familiar with it. And then a gram doing the math of what they quoted us for a kilo, or this is Sarah's pricing. This is Sarah's 1985 dealer pricing. So a gram would be $35.71 in 1985. Today, it'd be worth $102.48. Other notes, an eight ball is 3.5 grams. I was incorrect when I said it was three grams earlier. So $125.985 prices, which would be $346 today. So what makes me think they're getting majorly ripped off is that I've heard that eight balls are going for around 300 in Los Angeles today. Now, again, I don't know if the purple monkey dishwasher source I'm getting this from is maybe just a regular, so that's why they're getting charged lower, but it seems that they were definitely being taken for a ride. And now I know, I thought a key, like obviously I knew a key was a lot of cocaine, but I didn't realize how much cocaine. So that woman originally just wanted to buy six ounces. So 28 times six, that's how many grams she wanted. That is a lot of cocaine. And then if they're all, four people are splitting a key, four people are splitting 35 ounces and they're 28 grams in an ounce. So that means they're getting seven ounces each so seven times 28 like th these are big numbers this is a lot of cocaine just to have on you on person and i guess in their mind if they're just doing a lot of it then they'll never run out but jokes on them they got taken for a ride again not at all an endorsement for taking any illicit substances or drugs because there are a lot of unnecessary deaths that are going on not only here in los angeles but all across the world due to tainted drugs and it's something that doesn't need to happen so be safe but i just want to give you a little bit more constant context as we go into pricing as we rewatch miami vice and as we finish wrapping up this episode because i do have a scandalous little vice easter i'm going to read for you best line Hands down, Crockett, bring it once again. Tell me he's not gonna walk. He didn't. He drove. Oh man. Now let's get into some vice tea. Let me get kind of the sad stuff out of the way before we get to the really wild stuff. So Kira Sedgwick married to Kevin Bacon since forever, and it turns out they did lose a huge chunk of their combined money, their combined savings to Bernie Madoff 
also a notorious con man shyster that milked and conned people out of millions and billions of dollars. So unfortunately, that's a parallel I didn't expect to see with an old episode of Miami Vice. Aside from that, Kira Sedgwick and Kevin Bacon could do no wrong. I do want to watch The Closer. I remember my parents were really into it and it kind of, I don't know, it just didn't really interest me at the time. But I think now, you know, I want to get into it and see what I was missing because she got nothing but high praise and reviews for her time on that show. Now, speaking of Phil Collins, Phil Collins honestly could have his own Vice T special, but I just want to focus on some of the wildness that went on with his ex-wife. This is an excerpt from a 2022 interview with Orion in the New York Post. Get ready. It's long and there's lots of juicy tidbits. Orianne, his ex-wife, says she added that it's over their legal battles, including him having her evicted in January 2021 from the Miami Beach home they once shared until she moved in her new husband. As the Post previously reported, Orianne split with Phil via text while they were both in the house. She declined to talk about it for this interview. Quote, after being together for 23 years, it's ridiculous. We are the parents of two kids together, she said. These are stupid battles. I think it should have been kept private instead of going viral in the press. There were so many bad things that were said. But Orion is also hurt by things said about her. Phil's lawyers have been horrible. They are saying that I was the girlfriend of the summer of 2020, she told the Post. Come on, I'm the mother of two of his kids. I was married to him and we got back together. It's super rude to say that. Then later on in the article, the fact that Phil was still married to his second wife, Jill Tavelman, added to the public drama. When Phil and Orianne wed in 1999, he came with three children from his previous marriages. Daughter Jolie, now 49, and son Simon with his first wife, Andrea Bertorelli. And daughter Lily, now 32, with Tavelman. And you'll know Lily Collins from Emily in Paris. Phil and Orianne divorced in 2008 when she received a $47 million settlement from him. She went on to have a son, Andrea, now 10, with banker Charles Fuad Mehati. In 2016, she and Mahati split and she reunited with Phil. Quote, when I was leaving Charles, Phil and I decided to move into his new house together. The name of the house was Phil d'Or, after both our names. In French, it means thread of gold. It was our family house, Orianne said. We chose it together when we were living there together. I designed the furniture, I designed the kitchen. They separated again in August 2020 after she began seeing and quickly married Bates. To hear her tell it, the whole thing was a lark. Orion said Bates, I can't, the story's wild. Orion said Bates and she had a quickie wedding performed by an Elvis impersonator in Las Vegas so that he could travel with her to Switzerland during pandemic lockdowns. Quote, in order to fly to Switzerland, we had to be related. Otherwise, he would not be able to go. But it was supposed to be canceled right after. It was really for travel purposes more than anything else. After the new couple returned to the Miami Beach home, Phil, who had gone off to England, moved forward with eviction proceedings. Orianne is now suing Phil for half the sale price of the Miami home, which went for $39.25 million in January 2021. She claims he had verbally promised it to her. <laughs> she is now split from Bates after 16 months of marriage and is just trying to make sure he doesn't get her home by claiming solo occupancy. This is wild. So, Phil Collins, I hope you're doing all right now. What a wild ride your life has been. That's just one of his wives. He also has drama with the other wives, but we'll get to that in a later episode. Uh, fear not, this article is 100% going to be linked in the show notes because it also mentions that Orion was paralyzed and then learned how to walk again and that she's planning on climbing Mont Blanc, which is the highest peak in Europe next year. So this is an incredibly interesting, salacious tale that I will make sure I'm sharing with you. And as we come to a close of our recap of Phil the Shell, I just want to thank you once again for following, for liking, for subscribing to everything Vice and Easy. You can find me wherever you find your podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Google, find me everywhere. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe. It really helps me out, helps me find new audiences. And follow me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast because you know this week you're going to get nothing and nothing but posts of this chair. Thank you as always for listening. We'll see you next week. And don't forget. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.